And now it's time for me to have a little special moment with those children who are out there. I would invite you to move a little bit closer to your screens and come and join me right here. I can imagine all of you sitting out there and I'm so glad that you're there and that we're together this morning. I would imagine that there are a couple of phrases that your parents have taught you how to use. Thank you and please. When we want to ask for something, we need to say please. Please may I have a cookie. Please may I take a nap. I imagine you might not ask if you can take a nap. But it's also important to say thank you. Thank you so much for this birthday present. Thank you for coming over to my house. Those are really important things that we need to learn to say to each other. This morning, I want to tell you two other things that I think are important for all of us to learn to say. One is, I'm sorry. And the other is, I forgive you. Now, you may remember that I have a brother and two sisters, and I'm the youngest. And so when I was growing up, every now and then, I got in a fight with my brother or my sisters. I'm sure that never happens in your household. But every now and then, we would get into arguments and fights. And maybe one of our parents would come in and say, okay, now Carol, you need to say you're sorry. And I would say, I'm sorry. But I didn't really mean it. I would just say I was sorry because my mom was telling me to and I wanted to get out of the room. Have you ever done that before? Just sort of said, I'm sorry, but you didn't really mean it. One of the things that I think helps us to say I'm sorry is to think about what the other person might be feeling. For example, my sister and I used to go to the grocery store with our mom and we would each get a candy bar and I would eat mine right away. But my sister always waited to eat hers. She wanted to save it. And there was one time that I saw it there sitting on the kitchen counter and I told myself, she shouldn't wait. She's just doing that to taunt me, so I'm going to eat it. And then when the time came and my mom said, you need to say you're sorry, I said, I'm sorry. But if I had thought about it and how much my sister was looking forward to her candy bar and why she might have saved it just because she wasn't hungry at the time, then I would realize what I had taken from her and I would have meant it when I said, I'm sorry. Jesus says in today's scripture reading, we need to be able to forgive each other from our heart. And it's not just saying, I'm sorry, or I forgive you. It's really meaning it. And sometimes to really mean it, we have to think about what it's like to be the other person. Let's pray together. Dear God, you want us to love each other, to forgive each other from our hearts, to be able to say I'm sorry from our hearts and really, really mean it. Help us to put ourselves in the other person's shoes, to think about how our actions might affect somebody else, and to work really hard to be able to say, I'm sorry and I forgive you from our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
When we come to this parable today, I'm wondering if the servant who's at the center of this parable ever had parents who taught him to say please or thank you, I'm sorry, and I forgive you. The main character of this parable that Jesus talks about in the 18th chapter of Matthew is sometimes called the unforgiving servant. Well, I have a few other adjectives I'd like to add to that. Unforgiving, yes. Selfish, narcissistic, petty, greedy, abusive. I mean, we look at his behavior in this parable and it's just despicable. Even a quick skim of the parable shows us that. He gets forgiven for a debt that he owes to someone. And in the very same situation, when someone owes him something, he refuses to forgive the debt. But it's even worse when we dig deeper into the details of the parable. If we slow down a little bit and we, we explore what's happening in the story, it's even worse. So what I'd like to do is, is divide this parable up into a few different scenes. And I want to focus on scene one and scene two with you. In scene one, there is a man who is brought before his king. He's a servant of the king. And he owes the king 10,000 talents. Now, how much is that exactly? Well, in our Tuesday morning Bible study, Bill Ferris came prepared to answer that question. He had done his research ahead of time, and he'd run the numbers, and you can trust Bill Ferris's numbers because he's a retired banker. And he said 10,000 talents is equal in our day to over $3 billion. To further put it in perspective, the great King Herod the Great who ruled over Galilee and Judea and much of that region when Jesus was born, received taxes every year from all of the lands that he ruled over. And one year's worth of revenue for Herod the Great was 900 talents. And here we're talking about 10,000 talents. So this is like multinational level of debt. In other words, what Jesus is saying, it is a debt that this man could never pay. It is immeasurable. And yet, when the king calls him for this time of reckoning and asks him to pay, the man falls on his knees and says, have patience with me and I will pay you. And in that moment, they both likely know he'll never repay it. But instead of punishing the man, the king shows him mercy in this radical act of unfathomable grace and forgiveness, the king says to the servant, don't worry about it. The debt is forgiven. You would think that that kind of radical forgiveness would change this man's life. Well, let's go into scene two and see what happens. In scene two, we find this man walking along and a fellow servant, a colleague, a peer, comes to him. This second servant owes the first servant a hundred denarii. Now that's no small change. That's equal to a few thousand dollars, a hundred days worth of wages. 
And when the first servant says, pay me what you owe, the second servant does exactly what the first one had done. He falls on his knees and he says the exact same words that the first servant had said to the king. Have patience with me and I will pay you. And now comes the moment of truth. Will the first servant have been so transformed by the mercy and grace and forgiveness he had received that he goes and shows mercy and forgiveness and grace to his fellow servant? It reminds me of a moment in a Wednesday night class last year. I took a class with Sally Honor and it was all focused on love and practices of love. And she introduced us to this practice that she had learned from a teacher by the name of Arjuna Ardaw. And she said, when you find yourself feeling judgmental toward another person or irritated at another person or angry with another person, go ahead and express what it is about them that you're angry about and then add the phrase, just like me. So you're driving through traffic and there's some guy who's cutting in and out and he's in a hurry and being impatient and he's being a real jerk and you want to say, he is so self-centered. He just feels like his agenda is more important than anybody else. He's in such a hurry. He doesn't care how he treats other people. Just like me. Have I not done the same thing? Or we get angry at that person who's so opinionated that they, they can't even listen to another opinion. They're so convinced that they're right, they won't even consider the possibility that they might be wrong. Just like me. And so here we have these two men in this parable. And there's an opportunity for the first servant to say, this man is just like me. And to say to himself, I have just received tremendous grace from the king. Maybe I should show the same grace to the other. But he doesn't. When the second servant throws himself at his feet, not only does he not forgive him, he takes him by the throat with anger and perhaps the shame underneath it and throttles him and throws him into prison. And I want to say, that is, I, I, I don't know what to say. I am stunned by this man's despicable, unforgiving behavior. And he's just like me. Here I have, all of us have, received the unconditional love of God. That grace upon grace upon grace that is poured out upon us and poured into us without our deserving it, without our asking for it. A debt that we could never repay has been forgiven. And yet in my day-to-day -day living, in my interactions with other people, I hold on to those hurts, to those aggressions, to my anger and resentment at those who have harmed me or harmed people I love. I spend most of my life just living in scene two and looking at interactions with other people as 
as these transactions, keeping track of who owes me a debt because of the harm they have done. And I have to confess the very real truth that forgiveness is hard. It is countercultural. It goes against my very nature. Because when someone has hurt me, I want to see that they know they've hurt me. I want them to, to pay me back for it, to do something that restores the wrong. And if that doesn't happen, I'm just going to hold on to it. And yet, again and again and again, Jesus comes back to this teaching of forgiveness. The act of forgiveness is at the very heart of the gospel. That willingness to let go of what other people owe us, even if they are wrong. How do we forgive? How do we move toward forgiveness when sometimes it just doesn't seem fair or right? And when the other person may never be held accountable? I don't want to underestimate how hard it really is. And I also want to acknowledge that over the course of my years in ministry, I have heard so many stories of pain and abuse and bullying and harm that has been done to people. And the last thing I want to do as a pastor is to, to lay on this other heavy burden that, well, now you should forgive that person. As one who worships a God of mercy and grace, I don't think it's right to lay that burden on someone who is in pain. And yet I do believe that forgiveness is at the heart of following Jesus. So how do we move toward forgiveness? How do we walk into this practice? Well, I know that it helps me to think about forgiveness as a journey. There are some people who can experience a harm and very quickly offer forgiveness. But it's not that easy for me or for many of us. But to think about it as a journey that, that I'm on with God. And there are people in my own life I am working to forgive. Some of them have already passed away. Some of them don't even know that I'm working to forgive them and will never know. It's work that I'm doing with God. Some of them, though, are those with whom I am seeking reconciliation, and I hope that my ability to forgive will lead to a deeper, more loving relationship. We've all heard the phrase, forgive and forget. And I think that's important. It has meaning that when we forgive someone, we don't want to continue to bring it back up in that relationship. There is a letting go that happens. But I want to offer a different turn of phrase this morning that to me comes right out of this parable. Don't forget and forgive. 
don't forget, calls us back up into scene one of this parable. Don't forget how much we have been forgiven, how much mercy and love and acceptance and grace God has given us and continues to give us. And if we can, on a daily basis, try and dwell in that place of grace that is for us, perhaps over time our hearts can be shaped so that we might move toward forgiveness of others. Don't forget how much God loves you and forgives you. Stay grounded in that grace and allow it to set you free, free to forgive and set others free. May we continue this journey together. That's what church is all about, a place to practice, a place to be reminded of that unconditional love and to practice that love and forgiveness of others. Thanks be to God.